In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That gospel is a tongue twister, you guys. That gospel is dense. <laughs> the clergy take some time together midweek to read and discuss the readings together. And this week we agreed this feels like the sort of text that would make a great Bible study. Maybe not a great sermon. <laughs> Jesus is praying fervently, personally. And that kind of prayer is not usually efficient or clear when it comes from anybody. I was complaining that this text is just challenging metaphysically. There's a lot of they were yours, they were mine, I'm in the world, I'm not in the world, they're in the world, they're not in the world. And James said, while I was complaining, ah yes, that's the hokey pokey. I'm not trying to make fun, or well, I'm not just trying to make fun, but to say that this piece of scripture is challenging, it's a little confusing, it may even sound a bit exclusive. Jesus clarifies that he is praying for his disciples and perhaps by extension, all his followers only. I am asking on their behalf, Jesus says, I am not asking on behalf of the world. There is a lot of richness and beauty in his words, but there is a lot that unsettles. So maybe it makes sense to try and approach this text a bit like a Bible study. If I was sitting in Sunderland or Coburn Hall with you, I'd probably start with where and why, or rather where and when before why and how, and then we'd have to define some terms from John's lexicon, read it again with a new context. I'm not gonna bring everyone back out here for us to read it again, but later you should. Read the whole 17th chapter of John. It's not long. Jesus's words here deserve some careful study. Some scholars call it the other Lord's prayer. So the where and the when of this prayer from Jesus, this comes at the conclusion of the Last Supper. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. They've had their meal. Judas has gone out, and the time is growing short. Imagine how charged it was in that room. Everyone knows something is about to happen. But they are also all one another's dearest friends in the whole world. So I imagine it's quiet, even tender, amidst all that anxiety. Jesus alone knows what is going to happen, how painful it's going to be. What would you do? What would any of us do in a moment like that? As much as I can picture the scene, I can't imagine. And it is in that moment that Jesus prays, and he prays a prayer of love, deep love for his disciples. He prays that they would be guarded by God and protected. He prays for sanctification and oneness. As Christ heads into his own death, he prays that God might give his disciples what he can no longer give them. He pleads, he intercedes. It's beautiful. And now we come to that need for a definition of terms because as beautiful as this prayer is, this moment is, we can hear and read exclusion, that there is a dichotomy between the disciples and 
by that extension, Christians and the world. Some people might call it a kind of dualism, this contrast between the earthly and the heavenly. It can read like a kind of rejection of the world. And that's exactly what God is not saying. World, here the Greek word cosmos, does not mean the whole world, our earthly life. You see, John is the last of the Gospels to be written down, and it is truly written to and for a community that's being persecuted. His language, John's language, is shaped by that experience. Life may very well have felt like us versus them, but as faithful Christians, they knew the world could not mean all of God's creation. This is not a rejection of nature or physicality or human life, as much as this is the language of people who were themselves rejected. The world here means power and empire, all the forces of death that stand against not only the people of God and the preaching of God's word, but the, and the ways that human beings dig our heels in against the very message of God's word made flesh in Jesus Christ. You might remember it's John's gospel that has that famous verse 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You might remember this is the same story where Jesus's ministry begins with the miracle of turning water into wine. The first image of Jesus's band of people is a joyful feast. There is not religion, a realm of higher and purer things, and then the world. There is a gulf that we see between who God made us to be and who we live like we are. And our Christian faith is what seeks to bridge that divide. That does make us different people. We are making a choice that we are going to be deeply engaged with the world in community, prayer, and service. We are going to be deeply engaged with the world while being at odds with it, while knowing that we have not yet reached the kingdom. This can be a tricky line to walk, the temptation towards dualism, towards contrast between religion and our world can be really strong. It does seem to make things look simpler, and this would be the year to write off the world as an irredeemable or even unholy place. But Jesus doesn't. Because how does he end this, his prayer for his friends, who live at such terrible odds with the powers that be, and the devil himself, Jesus says, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that all may be one. God would send his Holy Spirit upon the disciples. He would strengthen and protect them. And he does the same for us because he intends to help us send that spirit out over all people. There is no one that Christ writes off truly God's purpose for us is love and unity and joy. It's like that old song says, they will know we are Christians by our love. We are meant to make that tough choice. We are meant to be all in with God and the world. 
We're meant to be people who live and care for our neighbors and shine out love and unity and joy, real, hard-won joy. We're meant to be all in, and that kind of is like the hokey pokey, because at the end, we're all in, right foot, left foot, right arm, left arm, head, shoulders, knees, toes, we're all in. And we know that we're doing life right when we are all in. All in and unselfconscious about being joyful, about being loving, not rejecting the world in pursuit of something higher, but knowing that what is higher is at hand through the love that Christ has made real among us. We know we are doing life right when we are all in, when we are unselfconscious about being joyful, about being loving, when we are all in about being Christians right smack dab in the middle of the world. Amen. <laughs>